Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. We've been talking about the valleys, and uh, we, we call this, this series The Hills and the Valleys. And uh, we could go to the hill, but we just thought we'd just go start going to the mountain. And uh, I'm going to begin a few uh, weeks in, with you in going after a few different mountains in the Bible. We know that you know, a mountain and a, and a valley are symbolism for, for something greater in our lives. And uh, we know that how many of in this room would say you understand what the symbolism of a valley is? Uh, walking through some low valleys. David described it like this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In valleys, there's fear. In valleys, there's worry. In valleys, it might be scary. And many times we're longing uh, to live our lives on the mountains. I've, if I could live my whole life on the mountain uh, where it, it's, it, it's different, I can see different. We, we were we were taken off, uh, and, and by the way, I don't like airplanes uh, because I like to be in control. I don't know if I got any other people. I don't even like to ride in cars with other people if I'm not driving. I, I got a problem. I, and so, you know, even if I couldn't fly the airplane, I just want to be up there to make sure he's paying attention, amen, or she, or whoever it is. And so, you know, we're flying up, and it's dark, and it's rainy, and uh, the weather is crazy, and the plane's blowing everywhere, and there's this moment where we break through the clouds, and what used to be gloomy, all of a sudden the sun is blazing through. Everyone's closing their windows because they open them in fear. And all of a sudden the sun shoots through and above these clouds is a perfect day. And I think sometimes why the mountain feels so good is sometimes the mountain gives us a new vision that is above the clouds. And so my hope today is to take you above the clouds. I know, I know it's storming down here. But would you climb with me for a few minutes? Would you, would you go up with me for a few minutes and realize that the same place you're standing, there is the sun shining while the rain is falling. And the God that you thought left you and abandoned you is for you, not against you. I'm just hoping I can pull off the cover of clouds today and take you up. So today, we're going to start going up the mountains. We're going to go up our first mountain today. And uh, I am entitling this, I'm using an acronym to help you remember Nebo, because it's not Nemo. We're not trying to find Nemo, we're trying to go up Nebo. And uh, I want you to remember this, so I've given it an acronym. And, uh, and I've added two O's at the end, just because I couldn't squeeze it into one O. Sorry, uh, I'm not perfect. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, so the acronym today is for Nebo is the never-ending battle over ourself. Never-ending battle over ourselves. So when you think Nebo, I want you to begin to think God is revealing to you on e Nebo the never-ending battle over, and then I added, ourself. Amen? You ready? Anybody ever go through the never-ending battle with yourself? <laughs> you ain't in that fight, huh? You, you ain't losing that fight. I, I mean, I, I lose that fight on a daily. I try to get rid of me all the time, and here he comes again. <laughs> Staring right back at me in the mirror. There he is. There she is. There, there we are. Deuteronomy 32, uh, verse number 48. And uh, we're going to find about this guy's Moses that went to Nebo. On that same day, the Lord told Moses... Go up into the Aram range to Mount 
Nebo, never-ending battle over ourselves. In Moab, across from Jericho. You know where Jericho is, right? You know that place where the walls came down in the promised land. Uh, and view Canaan, which is the promised land. The land I am giving to the Israelites as their own possession. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die. <laughs> well, then I was reading, I got discouraged, you know, because here we go up to the mountain. Well, at least I'll die somewhere, I'll die on the mountain. Uh, you're going to go up and you're going to see the promised land, but you're going to die in the wilderness. And this is not a good moment for Moses. This is a, this is a sad moment. This is a moment he's spent the last... Uh, you know, 60, 70 years to get to what God says you're only going to see, but you're going to die and never experience what you see. Now, this is not something we want to hear from God. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die and you will be gathered to your people. And he's thinking, oh, great. My people, you know, those complaining, ridiculous group of you will be gathered to your people just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor. And was gathered to his people. So at this point, Aaron, who, you know, called forth the golden calf, is already dead. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribath and Kadesh in the desert of Zin. And because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites... Therefore, you will see the land. You will see the promise only from a distance, but you will not enter the land I'm giving you. Giving to, no, I'm not giving you, I'm sorry. You will not enter the land I'm giving to the people of Israel. Now, now if we end there, you would say, well, pastor, you lied to us. I thought you are going to encourage us, right? Here we go. We're on the mountain. Moses climbs the mountain. Moses, man, if we can be like anybody, I'd love to be like Moses. What an amazing person of faith. What an amazing man of God. But even this amazing man of God, with all of his exploits, with everything he believed God for, from the, the place where he came out of to the place he ended up, he got to a mountain called Nebo, the never-ending battle over ourselves. And he died in the never-ending battle over ourself and never entered into what God had for him. The reason why I'm here today is because I would hate you to see it and never get to live in it. I would hate for you to begin the journey and never complete the journey you began. I want one day for you to enter heaven and God to go, well done. Not well started. Well done, my good and faithful servant. This is a journey, folks. This is a lifelong, we, we, are, we are running a race. And the moment you start looking at everybody else in the race, you miss that the battle is not over others in the race. In fact, you're in a solo race. There's no one else in your race but you. We've brought others into it. They live in our mind rent-free. But only you can keep you out of what God has for you. Sometimes we curse the very thing God has brought us. Moses saw the fruit once, but he never tasted them again. 
I came that I would serve notice on the enemy who would love you to die on Mount Nebo. I came that a group of people would enter their promised land. I came to encourage a group of people that that is how Moses' story ended. But it doesn't have to be how your story ended. You may have even began the journey up Mount Nebo. But I'm just encouraging you today. Turn around. Come back down. Because God has more for you. But you got to face the never-ending battle over yourself. Mm. God says to Moses, you saw it, but you never taste it. Sometimes I ask God, man, would you just erase it from my eyes? I wish I never saw it. Because I was fine being a shepherd on the backside of a mountain. I had a family. I had what I needed. But now you showed me that there was more. Sometimes when you're a visionary, I've prayed prayers like, God, could you just take this vision from me? Could you give it to somebody else? I'm not your guy. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to get there. I'm going to die on Mount Nebo. But we find in this story, and we can learn from it, why God said to Moses, you do not get to go in. And we find it in Numbers chapter 20. Now, there was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If we only had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Now, just let you know, if you think it's going to be fun to be a leader, if you think people are always going to have your back, if you think nobody's going to question your authority, if you think no one's going to question the call on your life, and you think you're going to lead people, you... <laughs> Go sell ice cream. Go do something where everybody's championing you. If you want to lead people from slavery to sonship, you better get ready for some hardship. You, gotta, you better get ready for people that say they love you one day and curse you out the next day. You better get ready. You better, look, you, you better get a strong, you better get a, a strong mind and a soft heart. You better, you better not get a hard heart and a soft mind. You better get strong in mind and say, God, renew this mind. I know I'm called. I know I'm chosen. Even Jesus had a Judas. But he also had the rest of those jokers. That at the moments of greatest success, they all ran. If, if you're going to be called, get ready for confusion. If you're going to be called, get ready for a stir in the camp. But Moses hears this in the community. and You brought us here to die. Why did you bring the Lord's community to the desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? Like Egypt was a good place. <laughs> for them, they were slaves in Egypt they didn't have water when they wanted water in Egypt they had pain in Egypt it's funny how the enemy can trick you to think your old ways were better than your new ways it's funny how the enemy can trick you into thinking wow I just wish it was like the old days well do you really remember did you get amnesia it's funny how we get amnesia about the things behind us that God has brought us through instead of celebrating we start complaining and here they are complaining, man, we, why did you take, you took us out of Egypt for this terrible place? It has no grain or figs. Yeah, Egypt had grain, but you were busting your butt to make it. Someone else was eating it. 
You were slaves. Grapes and pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. <laughs> Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent and fell down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. There's no use talking to crazy people. Sometimes when people are crazy, there's no use trying to talk sense into them. Just get yourself in the presence of God. When people are starting to act crazy around you, you're trying to lead. You're trying to get to go to the next level. You are wasting your breath to try to talk them out of what they're into. You got to turn around from that thing. You got to go into the glory of God and say, God, I don't know what to do. These aren't my sons and daughters. These aren't my people. These are your people. And the Lord comes to Moses. He appears to him. Moses and Aaron fall face down. The Lord appeared to Moses and said, take your staff and take your brother, you and your brother Aaron, and gather the assembly together. Speak. Somebody say, speak. To that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. That rock, in other words, has been waiting for you. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, and they and their livestock can drink it. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence. He walked in obedience. And just as he commanded him, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Now, you know, this isn't in the plan that God told him to do. He just, he, he had partial obedience. Listen, you rebels. We must bring water out of this rock. Then Moses raised his arm and he hit the rock. And then the Bible says he hit it again. But ow! <laughs> he hit the rock not once, but twice. Notice that God does not tell him to hit the rock. God tells him to do what? So he doesn't just disobey God. He's like, I'm going to put some stank on that. I'm going to put some attitude on that. I'm not just being disobedient. I'm going to let you know. I'm like, everybody. Look, when people walk in disobedience, they don't, they don't want to just leave quietly. They like to throw confetti. Here, here, let, me just, let me just get a pity party on that. I had to hit this rock not one time. I had to hit it twice for y'all. Hope you enjoy this water. Hope you drink it in peace. This is Moses. You rebels. And then the Bible says water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Hmm. This moment is the moment where because he decides I'm going to be partially obedient. Because I've found with having kids, partial obedience is disobedience. I tell my kids that all the time. And I say, delayed obedience is also disobedience. Because I can't reward my son who finally does it because I pull out the wooden spoon. The reward comes from first-time obedience. So Moses comes and he has partial and also delayed obedience. I'll explain the delay later. Here's Moses. He hits the rock. Not once, 
but twice. But the people have seen him hit the rock before because that's what they did last time. Let me say this to you. What God allowed grace for last time, he's calling you to a new level in his grace this time. And so last time, yes, hit the rock. Allow yourself to do what you do. But this time, what worked yesterday won't work today. God is calling you from glory to glory to glory. He's calling you to a new level. Come on. I don't know if I got anyone in this room about to go to another level. But with new levels, there are also new devils. There are new things, new battles. new. With more is always more. The closer you get to the promised land, the more God's going to require of you. And it doesn't end when you get in. Joshua had to fight 10 cities. (laughs) He hits it twice. And and I'm okay with him doing it. I'm I'm cool with Moses doing that. Because I can feel his frustration. Here's this guy. I mean, he was minding his own business. He was doing his own thing and... God shows up in a burning bush. If God showed up in a burning bush to me, I'd think that I had been burning some bush. God calls him out of his normal life and sends him and leaves his family to a group of people that when he said, does anybody want to go? They all raised their hand. And they get not even a hundred yards outside of where they're leaving. And they're already done. They've already tried to stone him three times. They've already tried to make other leaders. And one was his own family member, his sister. Don't be surprised when the enemy uses your family to pull you off where you're going. Don't be shocked when there's division in your own home with the call of God on your life. Moses is frustrated. He's 120 years old. You ever met old people? 120. I've never met 120. But I've seen a 93-year-old Colombian woman this, this last trip. And I'll tell you what. That Colombian woman, she says whatever the heck she wants to say. If she wants to fart in public, we're going to be okay with it. Right? Because when you're that old, you don't hide things anymore. You ain't trying to impress anybody anymore. Gravity has hit you hard and you really don't care. Moses, I don't blame him. He's old. He's a hundred and freaking 20 years old. He doesn't have the staff just because he's cool. He needs it to walk over to the rock. (laughs) Moses is tired of these people. Tired of their, their excuses. Tired of you. It's frustrating to have a vision for people. It's frustrating to see all that God has for somebody. Yet they don't want to go. Yet their fear and their insecurity, and instead of praise, there's a complaint. It's frustrating to lead frustrated people. Moses is tired of it. He's worn out. He's had to go to the tent for shelter over and over and over again. I'm sure when they said they're going to stone him and kill him, he's like, go ahead. Please do. You got rocks? I'll give you some. I don't blame him for hitting the rock. I don't blame him for being frustrated. 
I don't, I don't blame him for being angry. And they say that, that it's his anger that kept him out of the promised land. They, they say because he got angry with what God called him to do, that God said, that's it. But I don't know if that was all that there was. Because if anybody had a right to be angry, it was Moses. I mean, these, these weren't even the people he brought out of slavery. You know, these were their kids. He brought three million people out. And because 10 people, when they got to the promised land the first time, decided that they were small and the giants were big. They had the fruit. They had all the plan. They had everything God called them to do. But because they saw their self small, they decided not to go in. They even tried a second time to have delayed obedience, but we know delayed obedience is disobedience. They got beaten down and God said, your punishment will be for every day you viewed the land with complacency, with a complaint, with making me small. For every day you viewed the land, you will spend a year in the wilderness and you will all die in the wilderness. And here's Moses. He's like, what did I do? Why I got to die with all these? Why do I got to walk with all these people? Can we just wait here? Can you just give us a little home inside the promise and make all these people go? No, no. Moses had to go with them because a shepherd will always be with his sheep. And Moses goes back into the desert. Caleb's over there training. Joshua's getting ready. I'm sure Moses was getting ready too because in the Bible it says that at the end, Moses' eyes were just as good as the first day. His strength was just as strong. They were preparing to go in while dealing with complaining dead people. Three million of them. Moses had three million funerals. I, I have a hard time when I see the funeral of one dream. When I see one person walk away from the call. of I have a difficult time getting up again when I have one leader walk out on who God's called them to be and pursue things of the world. But I can't imagine three million burying three million. He's there and he's waiting for the last one to die. He just died already. I got all these kids I got to lead in. And the last one is dead. And now it's time. And then they get to where there's no water. And they say it again. Wow. Am I going crazy? Did they not all die? Did not all the complainers leave? You mean there's more? You mean this is in them too? They sound like them. They kind of look like them. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone in your future looks like someone from your past. I don't know if you ever thought you buried the last thing of that and now you're trying to help people that, that look exactly like the person that hurt you last time. I don't know if you've ever had a same boss, but they had a different name and a different face. Maybe they were even a different gender. But it was the same spirit. Here's Moses. I don't blame him for being angry. I don't blame him for being frustrated. It's frustrating to see li people live life on a reciprocal basis where they keep doing the same thing. They, they walk in what dad did because that's all they know. I'm tired of seeing people live out generational curses in your life. Jesus died to take away the curse so you can enter the promised land.
And Moses comes up to the pulpit and he strikes the rock. Ah! Drink. There's many pastors across the barrier. Just drink. Drink already. Drink. I'm so tired of the complainers. So tired of the backbiters. I'm so tired of the division. I'm so tired you didn't get your way. I'm so tired you didn't get your stage. I'm so tired you didn't get your place. So tired you're burned out. Just take it. Just drink. I've heard this before. This is Moses. He has every right to be angry. He has every right to be frustrated. But Moses did not not enter the promised land because he was angry at them. He didn't enter because he was angry at himself. Because anger is not an outside job. No, they didn't make you angry. No, it wasn't their wounds that caused you to run. Anger is an inside job. Secretly frustrated. Uh, there ain't nobody that can pretend like church people. We, we put on these nice faces and, and we pretend and, and then we freak out when, when we finally find out the person next to us is crazy. I mean, I'm telling you, that girl you think looks good, and you're like, man, she is a 10 out of 10. Praise God. She worships like an 11. She is crazy. I'm just letting you know right now. She is cray-cray. You just got to find out if she's 30-fold crazy, 60-fold crazy, or 100-fold crazy. If she's 100-fold crazy, run. Right? Because you're 100-fold crazy, and you get together, that's 200-fold. We're in trouble. We're all crazy. We're all going through stuff. We all got issues. We all are facing the never-ending battle over ourselves. Welcome to the body. Welcome to church. Welcome to reality. I know you got your shiny. Send $22, and you're going to get a fine bottle of anointing oil, and you will have no problems. No. We're messed up. We're broken. We're fragile. Moses wasn't angry at them. He was angry at himself. And they weren't angry at you. They were angry with themselves. Whatever comes on the outside starts on the inside. And Moses was secretly frustrated. Privately Leading while feeling broken. Preaching while needing the sermon himself. Being there for others while needing someone to be there for him. And he got all the way to the point in his leadership where what was on the inside started coming to the outside. Just go look through. You know Moses, when they were worshiping the golden calf, he didn't, he didn't say, hey guys, you know, this is not a good idea. Maybe we should just put the calf away, you know, and just try to keep people. No, he, he took the two-tone tablets that he had. He broke them in half. He ground them into powder. He said, y'all going to drink this? He melted down the cow. I mean, dude, he was angry. There was one moment where his sister rose up. Division calls into camp, and he goes, look, God doesn't tell him this. He goes, look, go read it. He says, look, if, if you aren't from God, and I'm from God, if you aren't from God, uh, then, then, then if, if you're with God, and you're coming against me, nothing will happen to you. 
But you know what's going to happen? If you aren't from God, the earth is going to open up and swallow you whole. It's going to swallow your family. Can you imagine if I told people this? This is when what's on the inside starts coming to the outside. And guess what happened? There was power in Moses' words. There was power even in his anger. There was power what he spoke down. The earth opens and people go down into the pit. The earth swallows them. Now that should be a lesson for division with an angry preacher. (laughs) Moses is not angry at them. He knows they're slaves. He knows they're broken. He's angry at him. You see, there was a reason why God told him to speak to the rock. When Moses would have heard that, his anger would have been stirred up. Not angry with them. Angry at him. I can't speak to the rock. I can do anything but speak to the rock. I can't speak to the rock. You know what happened. You know I was on my own. You know, I know you know Moses delivered, but do you understand Moses was an orphan? He was the only one in his generation to make it out of the grips of death. His mom put in a basket, floated down the river. He ended up in the palace because his mom had to eject him out of their family. He grew up eating the finest fruits in a place where he wanted to be, watching the pain of his people. One day the pain of his people rose up so great that he said, silence is betrayal. And he began to take life into his own hands. He went out to his own people and he saw someone mistreating one of his brothers. The Bible says that he, his anger, it was always there, broke out and he killed a man. You think his brother would at least say thank you. That would, you'd have to do all that. But his brother looked at him and said, who made you judge over us? And the Bible says that Moses was wounded from those words. One guy, Moses runs. He can't get the words out of his head. When I stepped out to do what I was called to do, I failed. I missed it. I I killed someone. My anger got the best of me. My orphan spirit. And he runs and he hides and he goes to be around something he can control. Sheep. There's going to be a shepherd. I control these. They don't don't talk back. They don't. He's hiding out there. But God's call is irrevocable on your life. And while Moses is hiding, God shows up in a burning bush. And Moses is drawn to the bush. And he comes and God says, this is holy ground. Take off your shoes. I believe he had him take off his shoes so he wouldn't try to run away. He's there and God starts speaking to him from the bush. I've called you. I've chosen you. You will go to your people and you will speak. And Moses says, who am I? Go read it. Who am I? And God says, who are you? It's not about you. It's about who I am. And then Moses goes, but God, you don't, you don't get it. I, like, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. But, but I don't speak. I don't, I don't know how to talk. In fact, I stammer when I talk. I, I have these insecurities. I, I haven't told him when I grew up in the king's palace, but I still have a slave's language. can't use me to talk God I can't go and the Bible says for the first time 
God's anger burns against Moses. Because when he calls you to do something, it will never be about what you can do, what you desire, what your passions are. God wasn't asking Moses his opinion or if he felt like going or if it sounded like a good idea to go. God wasn't asking if he was equipped or ready. God was saying, I want to use you to change the game. I want to use you because there are three million of your... Look, it's not about the... Can I tell you, your call is not about you. Me preaching here today is not about me. It's not how many people tell me good job or how much they love me. It's about setting people free. God looks at Moses and says, you can't speak. God's anger burns and he goes, okay, fine. Your brother's coming, Aaron. He'll be happy to see you. And I've heard him speak and he speaks great. And he said, so what will happen is you tell Aaron what I tell you. And Aaron will tell the people. In other words, Moses said, I'm insecure. I can't be used by God because I'm broken from a wound that made me angry because I can't get over it. Now let's go back to the golden calf. Moses comes down and Aaron's there. He's not mad at Aaron. He's mad that he brought Aaron. He's mad at himself. When he breaks the tablets, he's not mad at the people. He's mad at himself because we shouldn't be here. Because if I would have just trusted God, we would be in the promised land already. Not worshiping idols, but worshiping Him. When you meet an angry person, they're not mad at you. Go to Starbucks and say, yes. You're like, God, I'm going to be mad at you back. You're going to be mad at me, I'm going to be mad at you. They're not mad at you. They're mad at themselves. You meet someone that has no grace for you, it's because they have no grace for themselves. You meet someone that, that rejects you. It's not because they like, don't like you. you it's because they don't like themselves. We all have insecurities. Either we're insecure or we have false securities or we have God security. Either we're insecure, which looks like fear, or we have false securities, which looks like pride, or we have God's security, which looks like transparency. Say that again. We're either insecure, which looks like fear, shame, guilt, condemnation, or we have false securities that looks like pride, anger, distance. You ever met anyone that's like kind of distant? They have false securities because if you get close enough, you'll realize that I have a mask too. But God's security always looks like transparency Moses had false security as long as I got Aaron I'm going to be okay well Aaron died on Mount Hor here's Moses he's alone with God and himself God says, there's grace. I'm going to walk with you. But what I'm calling you to do will take a step of faith. You know, if Moses would have just said that day, hey guys, I just need to be honest with you. I'm so scared to talk to this rock. Aaron, 
you don't need to be my security. I, I'm so, I want to give you water, but I, I feel like I'm going to screw it up. Do you know that every person there would have been like, really? I'm going through stuff too. I have a lot of fears too. I, God's called me to do great things. I don't know how I'm going to do them. But it encourages me that even you. See, a long time ago, someone told me, man, I don't want a pastor with any problems. I said, well, sorry. It's not going to exist on this earth. You're going to get one that doesn't look like they have any problems. If you want one without problems, the only one is Jesus. For me, I would rather just tell you, I'm so afraid to talk to this rock. Because I failed here before. I got that voice playing in my head over and over again. It doesn't let me sleep. It was just one guy. There was three million that probably would have cheered me on. But that one, have you ever had one person living in your head rent free? No matter how many people tell you, that's awesome. All you hear is, yeah, they're probably lying. That one guy has so much power. That one girl, that one relationship, that one moment of abuse. Either you die on Mount Nebo, the never-ending battle over ourselves. Can you imagine if Moses would have said, I'm so afraid to speak to this rock, and he would have got that out? You know how many people would have said, hey, we got your back? Come on, stutter it out. Stammer it out. As long as it takes you to say rock, we're going to champion you. We're going to cheer you on because we're broken too. And we're all the misfits together. We're just out here in the wilderness. We all used to be slaves, but we've been chosen by a great God. Come on, just look at it. I'll cheer you on. I'm not even going to try to say it for you. I'm, I'm, come on, Moses. Come on, Moses. Come on, Moses. Come on, Moses. Moses can't get past those words so he ah, ah. and the people of God are still fed water but Moses has to see what God has for him but never gets to live in it so you might say where's grace because we know God's grace never runs out well Moses does not symbolize grace he symbolizes the law so where's Jesus because we know he's the only one that symbolizes grace oh his name is Yeshua Joshua is the same name in the language as Jesus and Joshua has been there the whole time he's been up on the mountain with Moses he's been fighting in the valley when Moses had his hands up and it will be Yeshua it will be grace not the law that leads the people of God into their promised land it will be grace Jesus didn't come to do away with the law he didn't come to destroy the law Joshua didn't come and do away with Moses he came to fulfill what Moses set out to do Jesus is going to take us into our promised land. Jesus is going to help us get through our insecurities, our fears, our worries, our doubts, our that voice that keeps playing. It's going to be Jesus, 
not the law not the rules the ruler so was God being mean to Moses you can't go in because you didn't speak no God was protecting Moses because he knew the very next battle he wouldn't get to use a staff or a weapon it would be a battle of words because they were coming to the first place you remember that place Jericho they were gonna march around the city and put their weapons away they wouldn't have a staff or a sword they would march and the top of the enemy's walls would hurl their words at the armies and they would have to deal with insults and difficulties while keeping their praise not their complaint inside it was going to be their words that were going to help them fight future battles no god wasn't being mean to moses he was trying to prepare him for what was coming next whatever god is asking you to do today is not a rejection it's a preparation for what god has for you tomorrow trust him trust him trust him take off your mask and say God here I am here I am broken here I am with fears here I am with insecurities I don't know why you called me you see if you're going to step into your promised land you'll have to trade your complaint for praise That's why God made him walk around the walls of Jericho silent as he was working out the complaint out of them. Complaints were popping up in their head. Sometimes God's going to take you around the same thing till all of a sudden the complaint gets out and you realize you're in new territory. That used to be who you were. That's the generational curse that was on your life. But those people died not getting what God had for them. And I'm not going to die on Mount Nebo. I'm going to, I'm going to use Mount Nebo as a place to see vision for where God has for me. So today, I changed the name. Started out with the acronym Never Ending Battle Over Ourself. I'm changing it. It's going to be the Never Ending Battle is Over. The Never Ending Battle is Over. Come on, it is over because grace paved the way. Come on, God is the God of second chances. He's the God of I can use anything in your life. I will take even the bad things and turn them around for the good. I will use the rejections. I will use the left outs, the leftovers. All you got to do is say, Yeshua, Joshua, leave me in. You got to let go of the chains. It's not on the outside, it's on the inside. It's not what someone didn't do or what they did do. That confusion starts within. It's time we put up some signs in our yard. For those people that keep entering our house, and staying over in a place that they're not invited. It's time we eject the hurt and the fear and the anger and the past and the abuse and the molestation and the abandonment and the rejection. It's time we say no longer can you live. I buried you in the desert. I buried you in the place that God brought me through. And I'm going to live.
and I'm going to eat and I'm going to taste of all that God has for me. I don't know who I'm talking to in this room. I don't know who's gone through some dark places. I don't know who's been abused or abandoned or rejected. I came to tell you today, either you remain insecure, you keep your false securities, or you get God secure. Jeremiah 17 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and who makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub stuck in the desert, and shall not see anything good come. He shall dwell in parched places in the wilderness, and uninhabited become salt. Jeremiah 17, 7 says though, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts in Jesus. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the streams and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. Do not be anxious in the year of drought, for it will not overtake you. Come on, God is going to make you a green plant even in the drought times. He's going to water you when you put your trust in Him. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.